as the airline that flies to more countries than any other. Turkish Airlines is pleased to announce a new destination, Metropolis, a city reborn, rebuilt, and stronger than ever. Proud of its heritage and its heroes. Thanks to LexCorp's substantial contribution, Metropolis is now open for business again. Come visit the city of tomorrow. Today. We can't wait to welcome you. Book your flight now on Turkish Airlines. source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson, and this past weekend, I attended my very first Superman celebration in Metropolis, Illinois. This event has been on my radar for a few years now, but I could never quite figure out how best to get there. You can't just fly into town. Well, Superman and Supergirl could, but I had to figure out the best way for me to get there. When I realized it was only a two and a half hour drive from Nashville, Tennessee, it started to seem doable. And since this year is the 60th anniversary of Supergirl's first official appearance in DC Comics, I figured this would be the right time to give it a shot. While I was in Metropolis, I viewed the giant Superman statue up close and learned that what we see towering over us today is actually the second rendition. I was told that the first one attempted was too skinny and unrecognizable, (laughs) so they scrapped it and rebuilt. I paid my respects to one of the earliest legends in Superman history at (laughs) the other end of the street by way of the unfortunately less popular statue memorializing Noel Neal. It's not as big, colorful, or commanding as the Superman statue, but I appreciated the use of Lois Lane's pen and paper to highlight what has always been her superpower, the written word. I competed in Superman Jeopardy. I didn't win, but I totally crushed it in the Supergirl category. I won a prize at the Superman homepage meet and greet. I bowled a 118 at a local bowling alley, cleverly named Super Bowl. I visited the Super Museum, which is home to a tremendous collection of items from Adventures of Superman, starring George Reeves, the Christopher Reeve movies, Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman, and Supergirl, represented by both Helen Slater and Melissa Benoist. And against my better judgment and something surely Cara Danvers would find offensive, I drank a kryptonite drink at Fat Ed's Roadhouse. 
There were three celebrity guests at this year's celebration. Helen Slater, Erica Durant, and Katrina Law. I didn't get the chance to sit in on Katrina Law's panel, but I'm sure it was great because she's awesome. But I did make sure that I was front row center for Helen and Erica's panel. The entire hour was great, but for your enjoyment, here are some highlights. Um, Helen, what was it like to for your first day on set as Supergirl? Oh my goodness, my first day on Supergirl. Um, what I actually remember more so was the first day of training for the part. Like that really is sort of burned in my brain. I was a brunette when I got the part. I was 18 years old. I was in New York City. Um, and when I moved to England to start work on it, I was training with Alf Joint, who had trained Chris. And I just remember this feeling of like every day, 10 hours a day, doing trampolining and swimming and um, wire work and uh, all kinds of things to get me in shape for the, for the Supergirl movie. Um, fencing and yeah. And I, I actually don't remember the very first day of shooting. It's a really good question. I'm oh, sorry. I'll see if it burbles up from the, from the bottom. But mostly it was just the beginning of getting that part and doing that part was such a seismic shift from my, my life in New York City as a actress wanting to book, you know, any kind of commercial or television job. Or, so it was just such a shock to have that be the first, have that be the first. Well, you did very well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yes, Supergirl and Lois Lane are iconic characters. Um, was there a way that you made the roles your own, or did you find inspiration from, say, other celebrities or people from your personal life? So, if we go for Helen first for that one. Um, that's a good question, making it my own. I mean, the big thing was learning to do this aerial ballet back in 1983, which we were up in Scotland shooting it, but we had practiced a lot at Pinewood Studios. They, we, they set up a space with wires and mattresses to kind of do this um, somersault and swan dives and kind of, so that was, yeah, I guess that was sort of their take on it or my take on it. it was amazing. And Erica, obviously, the, the wonderful Margot Kidder appeared on Small Boys with Terry Hatcher. Did you ever speak with those two lovely ladies over the years about you playing Lois Lane? Um, I, I've never speaking, spoken with uh, Terry, but I spoke with Margot. And I, I, I've said this a couple of times, because we just had our like one major interaction. And I was at a convention, I had just started the part. And you know what ends up happening is you end up getting this job, and all of a sudden it's shooting and it's going, and it's this very strange, surreal thing that happens in your mind because you're working and putting your stuff out there, and it's going faster than than you want it to go. And you're like, oh, I guess I'm just doing that. That's done. That's going to be out there, and people are going to look at that. And okay, and so you're kind of you know feeling maybe at least I was a little bit nervous about how everything was going, and so I was in Toronto. Um, and I talked to somebody about the show, and they turned and left, and I was waiting for the next person, and somebody grabbed me from behind, which was a little startling, and whispered in my ear, she said, you hit it out of the ballpark, kid. And I turned around, and it was Marco Kiddo. And it was one of the best moments of my life. Wow. Yeah. Was that important? <laughs> and then she said another thing in my, in my ear, she goes, you never let him see you cry, honey. And I was like, jeez. 
Louise, lady. Anyway, she's my hero, and she's the woman that I I would hope to have say that she she appreciated how it, it had been done, you know. Um, and so I use her a lot for inspiration, and then I think what ends up happening too when you get a part, and it's a long part, is they give you the parameters, the creative team, they, they write it, they say we want this, this, this in it, and they, then they start to watch what you do. Then they write to you. So it ends up being this kind of this really strange amalgamation of parts of you, parts of your interpretation of their notes, and things that they find that work. And then so by the end of the end of the show, they're writing a lot to your sense of humor or your way of delivering something or something they've seen, um, you know, like you're saying with Tom and I in our chemistry or something, they've seen the way we work together and the way we made each other laugh, and so then they would write more to that, you know? So it ends up being a hybrid of all sorts of creative lines, I think. Thank you. This is a lovely story about it. Modern, thank you. You both have acted on Supergirl. And since I'm bringing back characters in the older worlds, would you play Lois or Supergirl again if they asked you to take up the role on Supergirl again? Play Supergirl? Yeah, again. I'm 55. You can do it. You can do it. Absolutely. Thank you. For the compliment. <laughs> I would love to be a super, have superpower again. I think that would be awesome. You know, kind of a, a wise person. Chrome superpower lady, whatever that might be. Yeah. <laughs> um, they've already passed Lois Lane for uh, Supergirl. Yeah, but they use multiverse and bring. So that's true. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. I like I said, I'm I'm a pretty easygoing person when it comes to stuff like that. If it works out in in my life, it works out in scheduling. If I can drag Tom Walling back and make him wear the suit. Yeah. <laughs> My question is pretty much directed at Helen, but maybe I can answer. What was it like working in Pinewood Studios on the 007 lot? I, I remember they had Cubby Broccoli, who was the famous producer of the 007 movies. They had big posters as you would drive in. It felt very old world, old school rather. There were lots of movies being made. The Zucker Brothers were shooting and Jim Abrams were making, not Kentucky Fried, oh, Top, top Gun, Top Secret, with Val Kilmer that was being shot. And I remember Harry Hamlin was in the conservatory making um, some movie made with Ursula Andress. That's where you probably met her back then. Or Anyway, and one of the distinguishing factors of Pinewood Studios in England is they would have the tea trolley always at four o'clock, whether you were on the set or wherever, and the woman would just come in. It was so civilized and lovely with like the tea trolley, little scones, and that's a distinguishing thing of Pinewood it's, Studios. It's very true. Teas and scones, yeah. 24 Oh, well, you know that. I do know, yes. <laughs> it's such a nice ritual. Thank you very much. Hi there. I've got a question for Helen. Uh, Helen, did you ever have the opportunity to meet uh, Christopher Reeve? And what was he like? He was... I did have the opportunity to meet him. I met him at Pinewood Studios and then we did become friends. Um, just one of the kindest, sweetest men. I, I just did a Comic-Con in Birmingham and Brandon Ralph was there. And I have to say, I think he, he's been here, is that true? If you got a chance to meet him, it is uncanny how much his affect, just his persona, is like Chris Reeves. So if you want to get a sense of Chris, 
he really had that. And I have told this story before that it was like one o'clock in the morning. We were in New York City. Chris and I had had dinner, and we were hanging out on a park bench on Central Park West or Central Park South. And these three fire trucks, two or three fire trucks, come zooming by, and Chris turns to me and he says, "You know, here's Superman and Supergirl, and there's nothing we can do." devoted his life to giving back and to being of service and I think in terms of the definition of what a real superhero is I think his life was a spectacular example of that and we should all take a page from his playbook um, to yes. we'll see lots of people at the Christian Foundation job chat on this weekend so that that's a nice touch it's nice to see that that legacy is still alive today so it's fantastic when did you
Yeah, that's, I think I've had maybe one or two people at a convention say that line, like, for fun to me, and it's very sweet, so thank you, thank you. <laughs> we, we've seen so much emerge in this generation, it's fantastic, women empowerment, and we're seeing Supergirl series now. There's, it looks like there's talks of a movie, Supergirl the movie coming out next year, just if you're able to, and if you're not, it's totally fine, but have you been tapped on the shoulder for anything? I haven't for anything. Else. No, I keep looking. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's tapping us. Well, tell me actually know they're going to make a movie, so you're telling me this. I haven't heard that. We're watching the rumors and everything happening with the recently released, both movies, DC and Warner Brothers, looking yeah. to release that, so we're really optimistic for it. And we hope to see you Thank both you. in there. Question for Helen. Uh, we would really like to hear some stories about working with Peter O'Toole. Oh, yes. When we're walking through the Phantom Zone, when I look at in the final film, he is acting like it's Lawrence of Arabia going through the sandstorm. And I'm kind of like twiddling along, like it's a little sandy out here. You know, maybe I should get a cappuccino. Anyway, so I realized from that. And from the clown work that I've done and the improv and theater work over the last 30 years, just how important it is to put scenes in your body. And here was the great Peter O'Toole, just knowing that. And I, I didn't quite have that yet. Or I, what, for whatever reason, feel like I missed the mark in that moment. Okay, so I have a question for both of you. What was your favorite like, day or time of acting? Like, what was your favorite time, like, day of acting? I think my favorite day of acting was when I got to fly for the first time and they put the wires on me and hoisted me up into the sky. I thought that was like incredible. Okay. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. That's such a good question. And I'm not going to be able to give a great answer because I love so much of it. The reason being is I love to do a little bit of everything. So, um, my favorite scenes on Smallville were always with Tom because we had lots and lots and lots of laughs and we got into a lot of trouble. <laughs> then I liked the scenes where I got to dress up and beat people up. Not for real, but for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's all, that's the fun thing about acting is you can work on all that aggression, but nobody gets hurt. Everybody just does this, that's so, so off. And then one of the things I really liked was when I did my other show, I got to play a doctor. So every time, every week a new doctor would come in, whether it was a heart surgeon or a brain surgeon, and we'd get to do that surgery, and we'd get to work with actual fake cadavers, and you'd get to do the whole bit of medical business. And so I guess that's, that's the thing about acting, which is so great, is you get to play with different parts of yourself that you think you want to, to do or that you think you like. Everyone's heard of the supposed Superman curse for actors. So my question for you all is, coming into fame in roles that are so iconic like you did, did you find that it was in any way limiting for you, or did that open a lot of doors for you in your careers? Well, for me, I, I went on from Supergirl. I did Legend of Billie Jean right after Supergirl, which was sort of its own other. And then I don't feel like it limited. I feel like doing like ruthless people, the secret of my success, city slickers, these movies where I didn't feel I was getting 
compendium as much. But that might also have been because I only did one Supergirl movie as opposed to three Superman films. So I might have had more leeway because of that. Um, I, I'm not sure, you know, I think that the journey of an actor is so strange and it's so bizarre. It, it, one thing will work for one person and the other recipe is it's going to be somebody else. And to be honest, I didn't expect to, to work as an actor. Um, and I always knew it's like, it's like a revolving door. You're going to go in and you're going to do your thing for a while and you're going to go out and you're lucky if you get to go back in again. And so I kept looking for that door to like kick me out. And, and yeah, you're going to take some downtime. But I think it's more about, for me, it's more about looking at the things that I want to do. And then I don't feel like so stressed out about, oh my god, I'm not going to get this role because I played Lois once, you know, seven years ago. I'm going to go, okay, I feel like doing this project now or that project now. And, and so I, I find my map that way. Um, and I think it really, really depends on who you are and kind of what you're meant to do, too. And I think as well, um, I'm, I'm open to a variety of types of things in mediums. So whether it's, I know people that aren't, aren't open to doing movie of the weeks, weeks, I think they're totally fine and I love them and I watch like the Hallmark Christmas movies like a crazy person at Christmas because they're so fun. Um, so my, my view of that is, and, and, and that's kind of part of my personality, I kind of float around and then find the ones, oh, I think that'll be fun, I gotta work with my friends, great. I don't overthink it. And I have friends that kind of overthink themselves out of stuff instead of just kind of going for it and going, oh good, it's still working. <laughs> What was the audition process like? Were you approached to the to do the role? Was it a long audition? If you just wouldn't mind commenting on that, thank you. You just talked for a minute, so I can do it So I uh, was auditioning in Vancouver, um, and I actually didn't want to go in. I had just had a really bad um, pilot season. Or things did not pan out the way I wanted to. Pilot season is basically all of us go down to LA and we fight for five jobs. And um, <laughs> so it didn't go well, and I was in a bit of a snit. And um, and then I got the call for for Lois, and and I went in, um, pretty frustrated because I was like, Bill Fisher cast out of LA. This is a huge part, and I had this kind of irritated attitude, which may have been what was needed. <laughs> um, but I was just not in, in a great headspace. And then what ends up happening for the bigger parts like that, um, not to make it too dry, but then they call you down, you go to LA and you have to read in front of um, the, the studio first. So you go into this like, really small room with all these really important people and you have to do your audition in front of them. And then, and then you go and you wait. And if you've made it past that, then you go to what would be the network, which was WB at the time. And there's a big amphitheater, and you have to go in, and they're all sitting there. It's um, horrible, by the way. The system is rigged to it, make it real horrible. Yeah, and they're all in there because they don't have to do anything creative whatsoever. Don't, I'm not bitter, but they're <laughs> they're not putting themselves out there. So they're in there having their lunch and talking on their phones and you know having a coffee. And you're walking in there going, "This is my my one chance. My life to change forever." Um, and so then you you do your audition and. <laughs> And then uh, I found out I was flying back, and, they, and right before I got on the plane, I found out I got it, which was really cool. But this shows you my naivety. So I thought, hey, I got the part. They just want me to come into the studio in Burnaby and do some pictures and meet Tom and blah, blah, blah. I was like, great. So I was really relaxed. I did all my photographs, and they sent them down. I thought it was OK, images for Lois. And then 
they brought me into this room and I'm supposed to be all willing. And I was like, okay. So we, we meet, we chat, we go over the scene a couple of times. And um, little did I know that was my final pre-screen. I didn't have it. I had to make sure, they had to make sure Tom liked me. So that would have been very stressful for me as an actress had I known. So, um, so that was kind of how I ended up getting it. And that was a, on a Saturday. And they probably had their backup person in case Tom hated me. And then Monday, I started working, and the first scene I did, I saw him naked. So that was <laughs> shocking. Well, not really him. We can't do that, folks. But it was still like, if you could think of anything more stressful for a person to be dealing with, that was that. And thus came Lois's neuroses. Yeah, that was my... Um, I had graduated high school and asked my parents if I could, told my parents I'd like a year off before going to college, then to audition, and um, I had two agents at the time. One put me up for Supergirl's best friend, the other one put me up for Supergirl. So I went with the agent that put me up for Supergirl. And my, my mom sewed me a skirt and a cape. And I went in and was like sitting mortified with the other actresses who did not have a skirt or a cape. <laughs> I was just like my heart, bang, 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 like, oh my God, like such a feeling of, in improv there is a game called making a fool of yourself where you kind of do it on purpose, just make a fool of, and this was before I had improv class, but I had that feeling like, oh my gosh, and then, but I sort of just geared up and went in and threw myself into it. And similarly, it wasn't the television going to studio and the network, but it was being flown to England, doing a screen test. The original screen test, I had this platinum wig with like a, a headband and, um, you know, they kind of went back and forth. And then uh, on my way back to, back to the States, they asked me to come in, the Salkins and Timothy Burrell and Jeno Swark, and I came in and they were filming me, and I, and I thought this is very odd, you know, what is this? And they told me that I had gotten the part before getting back on the plane, but yeah, that's pretty much what the... Aside from the panels and the games, for most of the weekend, I just walked around Superman Square interviewing attendees, shooting video, and taking pictures. Since 2019 marks Supergirl's sixth decade of existence, the two consistent questions I asked everyone were, why do you think Supergirl is special, and why has she lasted so long? Oh, she's related to I mean, you know, the whole family, the Superman family. It's the prestige of that S on your chest. That means greatness. I mean, if you've got that. It's family taking care of family. I met a father named Matt and his son, Matthew, who became instant friends and helpful advisors for me. Matthew was a Jeopardy contestant with me and serves as the admin of the Superman the Movie Autograph Collectors Facebook group. His father, Matt, was always willing to answer any of my silly questions I had about the weekend. It was nice to know some Celebration veterans to help me navigate anything I was unsure about. They are from my home state of Alabama and have a brick with their names on it outside the Super Museum, so if you ever go to Metropolis, see if you can find it. Their answer to my Supergirl questions became more fitting the more I got to know these guys. 
At the Superman Celebration Artist Alley, I was stopped dead in my tracks when I saw a large and beautiful painting of Helen Slater's Supergirl. During my chat with the artist Stephen Walden, I learned that the painting was actually 3D. And sure enough, when I put on a pair of 3D glasses, the S-Shield popped out at me. Here's how Stephen responded to my questions. Supergirl and Wonder Woman, you know, they're the big ones. And so I guess to me, it's like, what's the question? What, what makes Supergirl different than Wonder Woman? And I think um, it's probably also not unlike uh, Superman, is that there's something that's very, at the risk of sounding jingoistic, uh, she's very American. She's very Midwestern. There's a wholesomeness to her. Not that there is a Wonder Woman, but um, there's kind of a... Uh, there's also kind of a uh, uh, newness that she brings in that, like, you know, the, with the stories always being that Superman has existed in this world before she does. And so she's coming towards this with everything's new, and, and she, there's something about learning and being open to experiences. And, you know, and of course, there's the, the warmth aspect. So I think there's that, and then also she's just had so many different interpretations over the years. And so it's kind of like it's a buffet. You know, it's like, pick the version that you want. Do you want the Silver Age Supergirl? Do you want the one from the TV now that does echo back to the, the Donnerverse in many ways? Um, is, it the, is it the disco headband Crisis on Infinite Earth Supergirl? I mean, take your pick. So I think that's that's another thing. Um, yeah, and uh, any chance that you know I could do as soon as uh, they announced Helen for the event, I knew that I had to paint her because um, yeah, Supergirl '84 was a flawed movie, but she got a, thing, a lot of things really, really right about that character. You can check out Stephen Walden's art and buy prints from his store over at StephenWalden.com. That's S-T-E-V-E-N-W-A-L-D-E-N. Com. There was actually more cosplay at Superman Celebration than I expected. Lots of Supermen, Supergirls, and I even spotted my beloved Nightmare Batman. At the Superman homepage meet and greet, I met Jamie Kelly, who is not only one of the best Clark Kent cosplayers I've ever seen, he is also an award-winning singer-songwriter, recording artist, actor, and producer. Here is what Jamie had to say when asked about what makes Supergirl special. Superman, for the most part, has been Kal-El. But with Supergirl, there, there have been a few different versions, so it's, it's almost like the Beatles. You can pick your favorite one. I think Supergirl shows that those, the, the same values that are in Superman, are, it's not something that's... Uh, I mean, nothing is gender-specific, especially in the day and age that we live in, period, at all, ever. Uh, but, you know, these are values that are present for everyone. That same feeling and that same uh, sense of right and that same sense of, of justice and doing what's, what's right, helping your fellow man and uh, fellow, helping your fellow person is, is something that transcends all boundaries. And Supergirl was the first uh, character manifestation of that in uh, superhero uh, media as it pertains to the Superman mythos specifically. And so that's, that's, a really, that's a really big thing. And she's an enduring character who's, you know, I mean, look at the TV show, look at all the different things that are being done. It's, uh, it's, it's pretty special. You can find out more about Jamie by visiting jamiekellymusic.com. That's J-A-M-I-E-K-E-L-L-E-Y music.com. I also approached a group of cosplayers who were representing Henry Cavill's Superman, Red Hood, and Shazam! 
to ask them what they thought about Supergirl. I'm a Supergirl podcaster, so I talk about Supergirl every week. And uh, it's the 60th anniversary of Supergirl. Mm -hmm. And I was wondering what you guys think uh, has made Supergirl last for six decades. What, what, what is special about the character of Supergirl? She's the cousin of Superman. I think that's what it is. Yeah. Like the latest TV show has really brought her back to life too. Oh, it, definitely the yeah, CW. Definitely. Yeah, CW. I, I mean, she's the female version of Superman, and gives something for women to Fair kind enough. of their version of a Superman. One of my favorite cosplays from Celebration was actually a Jimmy Olsen cosplay. The cosplayer, otherwise known as Kelsey, absolutely looks the part, and yes, that includes Turtle Man but takes it a step further by incorporating photography. Kelsey's Jimmy could be seen giving photo shoot instructions to Superman cosplayers to snap the perfect shot, and in character-correct fashion, taking selfies with the men and girls of Steel for the Instagram account at Selfies with Superman. Not only did I ask Kelsey about Supergirl's legacy, but I had to take the advantage of my chance to ask a Jimmy Olsen fan about Makad Brooks's take on the character. Well, I think similar to Superman, I think any everyone in like kind of the Superman family of characters has a an optimism and a hopefulness that um, I think people need sometimes when everything feels like really dark and bitter. Um, that sort of aspirational hero. Uh, which is fun because it's sort of the same thing that people say the reason they like Superman, like in the comic books, like the within the, the framework of the, the comic books or show in, in the new Supergirl show. And I think she's just got such like a sunny disposition and personality that makes people just sort of gravitate towards her. Um, and also that she's able to kind of stand on her own separate from Superman, like she's not a secondary character that is only in his stories. Like she's able to have her own stories and adventures and her own growth kind of separate from him. Um, and I think that is really important too. Because Supergirl and Jimmy Olsen have some history yeah. together. Yeah. So do you do you watch the Supergirl? I do. I love it. It's one of my favorite shows on right now. So uh, what do you think about the, the James Olsen? The I, I love it. I think one of the cool things is, and it sometimes happens with comic books and, and film and TV as well, is they get stuck kind of telling the same like five years of a character's life over and over, like Superman's origin story, we're gonna see it, Batman's origin, like what is that moment in a character's life over and over? And I think Jimmy gets stuck in that rut too, of the young photographer, and I think it's interesting to see, all right, what is Jimmy when he's 10 years into his career? What does that look like when he's an adult, when he's not the like teenage, young 20s kind of sidekick, but is instead an adult and figuring out who he is in that more adult space? Um, and I think that was a really smart way to reinvent the character um, without it being let's make him unrecognizable as, as Jimmy but just what does Jimmy look like at 30 at 35 as opposed to at 20 um, and I love some of the stuff they're doing to be able to do commentary on uh, race and adversity um, there's a bit where he talks about his relationship and friendship with Superman is kind of mutually understanding each other as other to other people um, which I think makes that friendship so much more deeper that they were able to connect on this sense of we are not like the people kind of around us um, that makes that, I think, friendship more important uh, and more poignant. Um, so I really like what they've been able to do with that with uh, 
casting the cat brooks in that role particularly and of course i interviewed supergirl cosplayers marin caitlin and casey all three wore different super suits marin as melissa benoist Caitlin appeared as Linda Danvers, Smallville's Kara Kent, and Jamal Igle's Supergirl, and Casey represented Helen Slater's look, but they all found inspiration in the character. She's an icon. I mean, she's a, a symbol of power and hope and just everything she stands for. Little girls look up to her, and I think that's really important, and, and it will never cease to be important. <laughs> so what is, what is your history with um, Supergirl, specifically since you're dressed up as Supergirl? Sure. So the first character that I started cosplaying was Wonder Woman, but then I realized Supergirl is a lot more like me, you know, her actions, her mannerisms, and I really wanted to wear the S. I'm all about the S and, you know, girl power, and I love Supergirl. And um, so since it's Supergirl's 60th anniversary this year, she, she's, uh, she's getting up there. But <laughs> So uh, what do you think is so special about the character of Supergirl that she's lasted so long? I think Supergirl's really unique in that she's just somebody that girls can look up to. And she does follow in with the Superman storyline. So little girls, you know, may not be able to relate to Superman as much as they can relate to Supergirl and still love Superman, but have somebody that's more relatable for them. She's such an amazing role model for young children. Um, girls specifically, we get all these male strong characters. We get Batman, Superman, you get all the cool sidekicks, but Supergirl is this long-lasting, amazing role model for little girls. You can find Caitlin on Instagram at wondrous23, that's W-O-N-D-E-R-O-U-S 23, and Casey on Instagram at Super Casey Cosplay. That's S-U-P-E-R-K-A-Y-C-E-C-O-S-P-L-A-Y. The most unexpected cosplayers came in the form of three sisters named Gail, Debbie, and Ricky, whose father grew up in the local metropolis area. They told me that they came to Superman Celebration because every year they take a sister trip, and in 2019, this is where they chose to go. To participate in the weekend, they made their own costumes to dress up as Superman's fairy godmothers. Why does Superman need a fairy godmother? Wouldn't their magic actually be harmful to him? Both excellent questions, but you might get over the technicalities when you see how adorable these sisters were. After I asked them about their costumes and why they were there, I posed my questions to them curious about their answers. So I am a podcaster and I'm a podcast about Supergirl. So we talk about Supergirl every week. Okay. So one of the things I'm asking people this uh, Superman celebration, it's her 60th anniversary as a character. She's been in the comics. Oh, okay. So do you all have any thoughts about why Supergirl might have lasted so long? Is there anything you think is... Because she's a woman. Yeah. She's Superwoman. We persevere. Uh-huh. We... Hey, if we can give childbirth. If it wasn't yeah. for a super girl or woman, there wouldn't be a super man. <laughs> Great answer. Thank you, ladies. Thank you. Uh -huh. To wrap up my interviews on the question of why Supergirl has endured for six decades, I was able to ask Helen Slater and Erica Durant what they thought. It's Supergirl's 60th anniversary this year, and I was wondering why... Yeah, 60. Uh, she looks pretty good for six years. Um, and I was wondering why you both thought that Supergirl is a special character that has lasted so long. You know, I, I think it's kind of interesting that 
I think with Melissa Benoist now in the role, they are finding um, a way to write up Supergirl that is going to be, I, I think, more for kids, more a role model. So I think it's taken maybe 60 years or 50-something years to have a young woman be a superhero that's got humor and self-effacing and more human, those human qualities. And I don't know what the reason for that is. Maybe it was men writing it back in the day and it needed to go through this many years to sort of have it be. But um, it is definitely in this, at this point in time, it is enduring and Melissa's just incredible. Just, I can't say enough nice things about her as a person, but also with her in that role. She's just bringing so much of it to life. Something I wanted to say about this this universe, the Superman universe, is um, it's such a reciprocal thing. We're lucky, you know, very lucky. Won the lottery and get to to play the characters out, but they don't live unless people love them. And I've always found over the years, different people that I've met have encouraged me more than I feel like I've encouraged them, because it's a perhaps it's a mirror of a mutual desire for hope and looking for the good in everything. And so what I like about this universe as well is that you've got the adult version and then you've got the kids. And of course, any of us who has kids or is, has kids in our lives know that the kids we look to for that, that version of ourselves that somehow gets stripped away a little bit as we get older, we get sad about what's going on in the world. And so for me, I think it's so incredibly important that this world stays alive, but I think it stays alive because of you guys, because you you love it, you push it, you you come to all of these things, you teach your kids about it, and it's about being your own being your own hero. And I know that sounds cheesy, but we also live in a world where there's a lot of stuff out there that's a little frustrating. We don't have control over it, but we have control over how we're going to deal with the little things in our life. We're going to teach our kids to deal with things, and that we have the power that that there's good out there, and that we have the power within ourselves and within our loved ones to meet and unify under that and hopefully, hopefully, um, continue to, to fight the good fight. And um, yeah, I don't know why I'm emotional, <laughs> but it, it just, it's, I'm so touched by the love that these characters bring to, to each other and to all of us and that we can kind of be that, that love and hope wave comes back. Anyway. Superman Celebration was a great experience because I met new fans and I made new friends. But even more enjoyable than indulging in my nerdy pursuits, I actually fell in love with the town of Metropolis, Illinois. One of the first buildings I noticed as I walked to Superman Square to see the giant Superman statue was what I would learn later was the Massac Theater. Local news station KFVS reports that the theater opened in 1938, a year Superman fans will recognize as noteworthy, but I've also seen a built date of 1939, but no matter which year is correct, in its glory days, the Massac Theater was the popular place to be. But now, it's on Landmark.org's list of most endangered historic places in Illinois. The townspeople are engaged in a restoration effort to save the Massac, and one of the ways they do that is by holding an auction during Superman Celebration. Because I wanted to try as much of the event as I could, and knowing that the money spent there would go towards the theater, 
I attended the auction. I'm proud to say that I won quite a few bidding wars. Among them were a collector's edition pop Funko of the false god Superman statue from Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice, original artwork paying homage to Action Comics number 252 signed by Helen Slater, and a beautiful playbill from Melissa Benoist's time on Broadway for my Supergirl Radio co-host and friend Morgan Glennon. While waiting in line before the auction began, though, I began chatting with a local couple, Lyndall and Carol, who answered my questions about Metropolis and the Massac Theater. They told me that while Metropolis is a struggling small town these days, before the introduction of Interstate I-24, it was such a crowded place that you couldn't even walk down the street without rubbing shoulders with someone. It was an industrial town with factories that made coat hangers, buttons, fly swatters, and what they call baby tendas. Carol even had a personal connection to the Massac Theater because she worked in the box office there. Seems as though in its early days, Metropolis was a metropolis. But nowadays, it's more like Smallville. It may no longer be a bustling big city, but charm can be found in a small community with a big heart. The mayor said a prayer when opening the event, church bells could be heard chiming the hour, and it truly does seem like a family reunion instead of a convention. Events like Superman Celebration bring in tourism and visitors, but it looks like they have a tough time maintaining their most famous square. The outdoor signage has notable wear and tear. The painted S-shields on the streets have faded. And personally, I think the Super Museum could use a fresh coat of paint, some dusting, and more organized displays. An item among the truly impressive exhibit that piqued my interest was a Superman Crypto Ray Gun. It was a toy gun that could be loaded with seven special 16mm films that could be projected onto a wall. Turns out that the ray gun dates back to the early 1940s, only a few years after Superman's creation. And that ray gun was placed on the lowest level of a shelf in the museum that would make it difficult for anyone to see. Antique sellers have sold these ray guns for $675. They're rare because by the time they came out, these toys made out of metal became less of a priority due to World War II's factory needs. And the sad thing is, most people probably walk by it in the museum, not even giving it a second thought. In order for Metropolis to become the city of tomorrow, the blemishes of uh, yesterday require some funds. If you'd like to help the Super Museum, you can join the BRIC sponsorship program like the Morellis did by visiting supermuseum.com forward slash sponsorship dash brick dash info. And for more information on Saving the Massac Theater, like Save the Massac Theater on Facebook. Well, I hope you enjoyed this recap of my time in Metropolis celebrating the Superman family. I genuinely enjoyed my time there and I look forward to going back. <music> <laughs>